Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning on this 26th of July, 2022. So here is uh, something that I learned yesterday. My grandchildren think I'm pretty great, but then they met their great grandma, right? And so there was a big conversation yesterday, first of all, about why they'd never met their great grandma before. Um, And then how was it that, you know, they experienced me as pretty good, uh, in fact, a fantastic by one account, but um, I don't get to be great. I don't get to be great until they make me a great grandma. So you can imagine that was an interesting conversation and hats off to all the great grandmas out there, including Ruth Ann, listening right now. Um, so um, we want to talk about the Growing Your Faith verse of the day as our lead off this morning here in our conversation together. Where in the word are you today? If you're not already signed up to receive the um, Growing Your Faith verse of the day in your inbox, it's super easy to do. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up. Lots of other great things going on there as well at our website, MyFaithRadio.com. Today's uh, verses of the day come from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But, and now, now granted here, any time a verse starts with the word but, you should back up or anytime a word start or verse or passage starts with the word therefore you ought to back up because you got to get some context but we're going to read the verses and then I'm going to tell you what the context is all right so Galatians 5 22 and 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience or forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law So in context here, in order to understand the but, but the fruit of the spirit is, then you must you you must uh, consider mm -hmm, there must be some other fruit. All right. So this fruit salad, this uh, this Holy Spirit fruit salad includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. What's the nasty fruit salad? You know, the one made with the mayonnaise. I don't know. What's uh, what's that one all mixed up in? Well, if you back up to verse 19 in Galatians chapter five. Uh, Then you're going to read this, the acts of the flesh, as opposed to the acts of the spirit, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And we're warned against those. We're warned against those. Um, Paul says here, again, we're now in... Galatians 5.21, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this are not going to inherit the kingdom of God, which leads us to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. So I want to encourage you to do a little fruit inspection today. Uh, Things on the uh, acts of the flesh list, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, 
witchcraft, which, you know, maybe you're not dabbling in witchcraft, witchcraft, but, you know, you've played with the runes or you've, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've given a little credence to the, uh, uh, to the horoscope. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Yeah, we might all be snared in that trap from time to time. Dissensions, factions. I mean, welcome to the politics of America. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's not a comprehensive list. It's an illustrative list. All right, so a little fruit inspection today. Maybe uh, do a little fruit inspection with a friend. Say, hey, I want you... I want you to identify the places and spaces in my life where you see, you know, the fruit of the flesh. And, and then I'd also like for you to, you know, help me see the fruit of the spirit. Do you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? And do you see them in ever more abundant measure year over year, season over season? And do you see them all being produced in my life? Are there, is there one that I'm lacking? All right. And then uh, go out there and be a, you know, positive fruit of the spirit fruit salad today. Mm. Don't you love it? Don't you love it when somebody serves you a nice fruit salad? All right. So this is a good morning to you on this 26th of July, 2022. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Next up, we're going to talk with our friend Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. And we're going to talk about Kansas. Yeah, we're going to talk about Kansas because Kansas helps us see ourselves. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is back from Cedarville University. Good morning, good sir. Hey, Carmen, how are you doing today? I'm I am well. I am well. I'm at uh, I'm I'm a grandparent uh, at grandparent. I don't know at grandkid camp. So I'm I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> I'm not a grandparent yet. So, but I'm still doing great. Well, I did learn that I'm a grandparent, but I am not great. I am uh, I am good. I am fantastic by some accounts, but not yet great. Which uh, you know, it's, it's aspirational. This whole, this whole that's right. You got goals. You, got, you can mm-hmm. look forward. I to I got that. goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about Kansas. Kansas voters are going to be the first in the nation to vote in, on a statewide abortion ban. That's going to happen August the second. Um, but um, Kansas is an interesting. Uh, it's interesting to bring Kansas into focus because of the way Kansas has kind of changed over the course of time. So why are we looking at Kansas in an effort to see ourselves? Well, there are a couple of things here. I mean, we're looking at Kansas on the abortion issue um, because it's, it's central, not just literally, but figuratively in some ways Uh, it's in between Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri. Uh, These are all States that limited abortion pretty dramatically after the court overturned uh, Roe and Kansas, because of its constitutional um, interpretation, protects abortion. And as you said, they're getting ready to come to this decision on August 2nd as they have a statewide vote. But many people who come from out of state to have abortions from places like Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, actually come to Kansas to do it. And so it's a significant uh, event, not only for Kansas, I think, but also for some of these surrounding states. Uh, when we talk about access to abortion. But 
Kansas has, has transformed quite a bit over the last 50 years or so in some ways. Um, it was sort of heartland, typical Republican, uh, sort of populist Republican maybe in some ways, uh, an edge of conservatism in its own sense, but sort of an agrarian, uh, an agrarian sensibility. Uh, a famous book written in 2004 asked this question, what's the matter with Kansas? Um, and it was really about how Kansas has, has transformed from an agrarian populist con- uh, state into more of a socially conservative culture war uh, sort of state, you know, looking at issues like abortion and gay rights and other things. And we see the Republican Party in Kansas transformed into more of a, a culture war driven party. And, you know, that feels kind of familiar. You know, I think you could argue that we've seen the Republican Party uh, head in this direction nationally, not, not just in a place like Kansas. When I think about um, when I think about Kansas, one of the one of the people who God brings to mind, um, and maybe this is just because I know Sam Brownback from other environments, but yep. I do kind of wonder if there are particular individuals who serve as catalysts at particular points in time, and then they you know they move on from a particular locale like Kansas to you know to maybe more. Uh, high-profile national positions. And so I'm wondering if there are, I mean, this is just me kind of speculating, but, you know, things move because people move things. And so, you know, I I think God has probably used particular individuals along the course of this conversation. And um, so I don't know. I just wanted to pitch that in as well. Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. yeah, um, Go ahead. I, I I think there's something to that. I mean, I think you also look at some demographics in Kansas, um, it's it's significantly more white than the rest of the country. Uh, you know, about 75% of Kansans are white compared to about 59% of your regular uh, American. And so it's a different state in some ways. And as you said, people have shifted, it seems like, in that state. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how this works out in August. I think it could be a good barometer on what we're going to see. I think there's there's still a chance we may see a surprise where voters just sort of head in a slightly different direction than what we might predict. Well, why? What What are you going to predict? Well, you know, I, I think that we're assuming, we're sort of all assuming there's going to be this natural um, movement from overturn Roe toward now ban abortion. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, again, I'm not making any prediction about Kansas, but I think you could see some some surprises in that process that you may have some states come down a little bit more of a moderate position than what we might expect. Um, again, I think pro-life people have sort of just assumed this is going to be a quick, relatively quick process. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to be that simple. Well, yeah, I mean, there's an awful lot of, uh, of Catholics and an awful lot of evangelical Christians that although institutionally um, right. we are opposed to uh, abortion, um, there are an awful lot of uh, people in uh, who would identify as Christians who certainly have had abortions in their families. And um, yeah, so it's a, it's, it's an important um, conversation for us to have. All right. We're going to return here in just a moment um, to a conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. We're going to, we're going to pick up on uh, a thread we've been pulling on with others. And that is um, the, the violence that we are seeing not only um, in evidence among people who are responding to issues in the culture, but the the violence that some people really do see on the horizon is there a coming civil war like it's worthy of a conversation that's up next on mornings with carmen
Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Till then, my darling, please wait for me till then. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith this morning from Cedarville University. Mark, what's going on out there on the campaign trail in terms of um, what people are saying they they see down the road? What's the talk, particularly among Republicans, um, about violence, not only in the culture and violence on the campaign trail, but violence ahead? Well, we're looking at a lot of rhetoric now uh, coming out of the Republican Party um, about the possibility of a civil war and even using language um, of civil war. And uh, according to polling, um, a majority of Republicans and Democrats think that America will uh, one day cease to be a democracy. Um, and we hear a lot of discussion of existential crises and you know, time to fight, time for conflict. Um, we're seeing campaign commercials uh, where candidates are presenting themselves with weapons and uh, talking about hunting rhinos and hunting other things um, with these weapons. And if you take it at its most extreme, you know, we saw a Republican candidate, Lee Zeldin, uh, get attacked by someone from out of the crowd uh, recently. And so there's a lot of rhetoric right now um, with this sort of war mentality, uh, and it's seeping into, I think, everything else in some ways. Um, weirdly, it, it, I think we're moving from language of culture war to just plain old war. And I think that's a significant step. So here's a story. Um, let me just alert people of uh, this is just recently posted by the San Francisco Chronicle, but it's actually about an event that took place just days after George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis in May of 2020. I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs here. Stephen Carrillo slid open the van door and readied his rifle, equipped with a silencer. Carrillo, 32, a member of a far-right anti-government militia, aimed for two federal building guards in downtown Oakland. It was four days after George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis in May 2020. Carrillo hoped um, that he was about to what he was about to do would be blamed on nearby Black Lives Matter protesters. He pulled the trigger. He fired 19 rounds from his AR-15 and one security officer um, was felled. Days later, Carrillo, an active duty U.S. Air Force sergeant, would also allegedly ambush and kill a Santa Cruz County Sheriff's deputy. So um, what's going on here is that this particular individual was a part of a group that this article goes on to describe as um, interested in inciting civil war. And so I think that when 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 people imagine that, you know, oh, politics is what it is and yeah, people get all riled up and there's these protests and 
But there are actually people in our culture who are seeking to foment civil war. And they're and they're actually seeking to do so in a way that is racial. Um, and they're seeking to do so in a way that, um, you know, I, we don't want we don't want civil war. Like, I, I don't know how more clearly uh, maybe we should be saying that. Um, but let's, you know, help me get out in front of this, Mark. Yeah, I think if we just take a step back and think of our role as believers in society, um, <clears throat> we're clearly called to be people of peace. You know, Christ is is very clear about this. If we look in Matthew chapter five, look at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers, he tells us. You know, Paul repeatedly tells us to be people of peace and to be people of love. And it's it's easy, I think, to get pulled into these. Um, discussions of conflict and war because they fit our tribal identities. They fit our political identities. And we want to be pulled into that rhetoric. And frankly, sometimes it feels good just to get pulled into that rhetoric and to get worked up about it. But we have to resist that temptation. You know, I think when you look at American history, look back at our actual civil war that we fought, um, and you don't see the church functioning as sort of this peacemaking body trying to build a bridge of peace between the North and the South, trying to figure out a way to, to, to forestall the conflict. Instead, you see the church dividing into Northern and Southern factions, just like the rest of, of society did. And so I think that's our challenge. You know, when we look at a situation that we're in right now, how can we effectively de-escalate the situation? How can we depolarize it? How can we begin to diffuse some of this rhetoric uh, but right now, there's an awful lot of political benefit for people using this language. They're winning races. Uh, they're getting nominated for governor's positions, for attorney general, and for other places and states throughout the country. And so, you know, my fear is until they see a political cost for using this sort of language, we're just going to continue to hear more of it. And the more that it gets normalized, the more that people, I'm, I fear, are going to act on it. Yeah, and I think that's reinforced by... Um by the kinds of answers that people doing research, let's say related to why the AR-15 or AK-47, why right. those are America's like favorite weapons. Um, and, you know, there are some people who will answer that question with, um, you know, they're fun to shoot and they're accurate. Um, but there are others who come right out and tell pollsters. I mean, people who are calling and asking, why is this America's favorite weapon? They are hearing people say, it's the best thing to have in the case of a civil war. And I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if everyone understands sort of the serious, the seriousness of the moment we're in as a nation. And I don't, I don't want to scare people. I mean, that's not what I'm, but I also want us to be really sober um, and aware and be actively sowing peace. Like, I think we need to be activated as people of peace in the culture and sowing peace. And that and that's not that doesn't mean that we just let ourselves, you know, or the ideas for which we stand be overrun, but it also means we do not fan the flame nor participate in um the 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 fomenting of uh, of violence in the culture. Yeah, I think I think you you can't make the problem worse. That's certainly our, our minimal obligation, right? You don't use this kind of language, but then how do you use language that makes the problem better? Mm -hmm. And we have to be active, I think, in this process of, of 
seeking peace and working to try to defuse situations. Uh, but you know, Carmen, this, that's not how you get clicks on social media. That's not how you sell books. That's not how you get speaking engagements. Um, we have to do better, I think, developing a market uh, for this kind of rhetoric and for rewarding this kind of rhetoric of peacemaking. Uh, right now, it seems like all the incentives are pulling us away from that. Well, and and that's true in the in the politics of the day in terms right. of, uh, let's say, um, primaries, right? Because the people yep. who get get elected in primaries are the people on the extremes yep. um, because people show up to vote for them. So, yeah. So if you are in a in a place where there is a primary going on, um, you know, let's be people who actively seek to elevate the peacemakers. Let's be people who seek to actively elevate into, um, you know, into the general electoral process, people who are going to, um, and, and this is not an advocacy for the mushy middle. You guys know me. That's not what we're advocating here. I mean, we want moral convictional leadership, but we also want moral convictional leadership that um, does not foment violence one person against another. It doesn't, it, it doesn't just matter where we stand. It matters how we stand there and how we advocate for the positions that we hold. So, um, Mark, as always, thank you so much. Um, happy summer. You know, go out there and, and be a be a maker and um, a sower of peace today. That's good. That's a good word, Carmen. Thanks to you and your listeners. I'll talk to you here in a couple weeks. That sounds great. That's Mark Caleb Smith. You can uh, follow him on Twitter. Give him some clicks. He's at Mark Caleb Smith. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just now. Russia continues um, its assault on the nation of Ukraine. Um, Latest today from um, the Associated Press and others, Russia says that it wants to end Ukraine's, quote, unacceptable regime. They are looking for regime change. They are looking um, to remove the leadership, the duly elected leadership of the people of Ukraine. Um, They continue to bombard the nation of Ukraine. Um, with uh, with airstrikes from above um, and military um, assaults from the ground as well. They are striking from land and sea and air. I think we, uh, we imagined that this was um, going to be a very brief war because initially we thought uh, we were led to believe that, you know, Ukraine would just be easily overrun. And that didn't happen. The people of Ukraine and their president, um, Volodymyr Zelensky have proven uh, to be valiant in their efforts and uh, and steadfast in their commitment, unbowed, unbowed. Um, and the United States and others around the world have come to the aid of Ukraine in a myriad uh, number of ways. We have certainly sent them military aid. But one of the things that captured the attention of a dad in uh, in Peoria, Illinois, his name is Chris Mason. Uh, Manson, excuse me, Chris Manson, um, and something caught his attention and he had a conversation with his six-year-old daughter um, about it. And it it's really, it has become a personal mission. It's also become um, part of a mission of the organization with which he serves. And we thought it'd be fun to talk with Chris about how he's getting ambulances donated here in the United States 
refitted and outfitted to ship to Ukraine? And then what's happening on the ground as those ambulances are being deployed literally into war zones? So we're going to talk with Chris Manson next. Um, this is a personal story, but this is also a powerful um, story about how one individual really can change what's happening halfway around the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. It's like the bright sunrise waiting on the other side on the darkest night. Chris Manson is joining us now. I saw um, Chris featured on CNN, and I thought to myself, I want to talk to that guy. So, Chris, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. So, okay, talk about talk with us about how this started. Your seven-year-old daughter asked a question. So can we start there, and you just tell <clears throat> us the story? Yeah, sure. So, um you know, like many people watching the news, you know, as the war began in uh, end of February, early March, and I've got a seven-year-old daughter, and so as we'd be watching the t- uh, the news or whatever, I try and quickly turn the channel when certain things would show up that would be, you know, inappropriate. Somebody, you know, is seriously injured or unfortunately killed or whatever, and you know, my daughter was quick enough to catch different things, and so she that started a conversation. We started talking about Ukraine, and before you know it, we were praying. You know, we. When we were sitting down for dinner or whatever, we'd say a few prayers for, you know, the people suffering in Ukraine and stuff. And and that eventually evolved pretty quickly into, gosh, is there anything that can be done? You know, I wish I could do more. And, this is, you know, this is my seven-year-old saying, you know, gosh, I, those poor kids, I wish I could do something to help them and stuff like that. And, you know, as we were talking more and more, um, it just, you know, resonated with me and, you know, being a dad wanting to, you know, do right by your daughter and, um, you know, I, I used to be in the, I used to be a volunteer firefighter, used to be in the military. Um, I worked in Catholic healthcare, just kind of started thinking, gosh, is there something that could be done? And, um, eventually at the beginning of March kind of settled on this idea of, well, geez, I wonder if, you know, they need ambulances. I, I'd seen that they'd been blown up on TV or, you know, see, seen the Russians had been destroying them and, you know, seeing the horror stories and stuff. So, um, you know, kind of had this crazy idea, and, and I'll admit it's definitely a crazy idea. Hey, maybe we can fill an ambulance full of medical supplies and somehow get it to Ukraine, and, you know, it, they can use it. Um, and it was kind of with that idea that I reached out to the uh, Ukrainian consulate in Chicago. I'm in Illinois. And, you know, left them a message, I think, like 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and just said, hey, I don't even know if you need this. Maybe the Red Cross has it covered or other, you know, charity groups have it covered. But if you, you know, if you need, if you, if this sounds like a good idea, let me know. Well, they called me back at like 11 o'clock at night, the same night and said, yeah, we need your ambulance. We need all the supplies you can get us. When can you have it there? And I think about that moment, I realized, Ooh, I think I might've just committed to getting, you know, uh, the Ukrainians an ambulance and I didn't have one yet, um, or the supplies. So I said, I better go figure that one out. So, yeah, I, I um, love the. I love the way that you tell the part where you're like, you know, I saw them using DHL, DHL delivery vans to move people, you know, out of an area. Um, and I thought to myself, this could be better. Like, right. And you made exactly, some calls. Yeah. So what happened yeah, that, when you made the first call? Well, you know, it, and it's really cool. I mean, this is the thing that you're going to, that I've experienced over and over again. I call some, so I call, I'm looking for an ambulance. Um, I reach out to somebody, the local ambulance company here. 
um, an individual I've met with a few times in, in my business dealings. And I said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. I'd like to send an ambulance over to Ukraine. I don't have an ambulance. Would you do, you do you have one that you could possibly donate? I know it's crazy. And his response was, and it was immediate, do you want gas or diesel? Mm-hmm. I love no that. hesitation. I'm you, that's the that's the part of the story where I'm just like, that's the spirit, right? Like people are Absolutely. waiting to be asked and God planted this notion within you. And he also, Chris, you know, he he has orchestrated your life in such a way that you did have these relationships and you did have this access and you have had these experiences so that when these divine appointments came along, you were able to not only see them, but you were able to turn in the right direction and ask the right people the right questions to participate in this. And so um, so tell us about that first ambulance. And then there have been more from Tennessee, Minnesota, Ohio, North Dakota, and then others since then. So I want to celebrate some of those places and spaces as well. But finish the story yeah. about the very first one and then how it got filled up, because that's another part of the story. Yeah. So like I said, I work in Catholic health care. So, you know, once I had the ambulance, I reached out to my employer, which luckily is a, a, a bunch of sisters that are operating our health system. And I said, hey, just want to give you a heads up. I, I kind of feel like I've got this calling to do something. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I might end up going to Ukraine at some point. I might be taking an ambulance over to Ukraine. Um, but I'd like OSF to donate some supplies if that's, you know, if, if there's an interest. And of course, you know, the sisters said, well, if you've got a calling and you feel Christ's calling, you've got to do it and we'll support you. Go right ahead. And yeah, of course, we can fill it up with um, supplies. And not only did we, they fill it up with supplies, but we took that first ambulance we parked it in front of our um, our headquarters, our, our uh, ministry headquarters. We invited our mission partners, our empl- fellow employees, to come in and bring um, Quick Clot, which is a clotting agent that you can buy at a hardware store, at a sporting goods store or something, which is needed in Ukraine. You're shot. They pour this quad, uh, clotting material on, and it seals up the wound to stop the bleeding. So very important stuff. So we parked this ambulance out in front of our um, headquarters, and boy, I'll tell you, mission partners came and came and came, and they filled that ambulance full of supplies, in addition to the corp- the supplies that the company provided. Um, and then we had the uh, ambulance blessed. And from there, we were able to connect with another organization out of Chicago, the Ukrainian Medical Association of North America. And on March 29th, we put that first ambulance on a 747-800 out of Chicago O'Hare Airport. And, um, and again, even getting to... We're on the airplane. It's 11 o'clock at night at O'Hare. I'm working with these guys, you know, that, that load airplanes for for a living. It's late at night. It's cold, and everyone's just doing their thing. The moment they saw that ambulance, and I, they said, well, "What's this for?" And I told them, "It's going to Ukraine. It's been blessed by a priest. It's, you know, explain some of the stuff." They started taking pictures with it. They started touching it like it was special, and you could just see everything change. And that was a very moving moment for me and it's again this whole journey has it's been little experiences like that over and over and over again which it's a horrible war it's an extremely i mean it's demoralizing to see what's happening there but there's definitely a bright bit of sunshine or a um there's definitely a great moment because you can see the good in humanity or in people when you see what they're doing to help get these ambulances from the united states to ukraine and for me that's been incredibly uplifting So we're talking with Chris Manson. He is the vice president of government relations for OSF Healthcare in Peoria, Illinois. You can find 
um, more of what we're talking about related to uh, this effort to get ambulances from here in the United States across the pond to the people of Ukraine who need them desperately and how to load them up with the kinds of supplies that Chris is talking about today. Um, they're on Twitter at ambulances, plural, and then the letter U, ambulances U. So think about like ambulances Ukraine, but ambulances U on Twitter. Um, or if you want to reach out to me, I will uh, be sure and put you in touch with Chris because maybe you're thinking to yourself, hey, I have an ambulance. I live in a town with an extra ambulance or I work for um, a healthcare organization that has some ambulances that are, you know, they might be old. They might be retired. They might be offline. Um, they can be put to use and re-equipped and loaded up. Uh, and they can be sent to the front lines. Um, Chris, let's talk about some of the other places um, who have you know gotten on board with this. You know, because folks once once they started you know understanding what was happening, more and more ambulances have been um, contributed. So let's just talk about some of the places that those have come from. Yeah, absolutely. And and let me just tell you, right now, um, I've got there's four on a ship, so we have seven in Ukraine right now. There's four on a ship. That are heading over. They're on the Atlantic Ocean right now, heading over. So that gets me to 11. I've got another six um, that have uh, that basically I will have in the next week or two, and I have another four or so pledged after that in September. So I'm at about we're about 20 right now, which is great, considering we started with one. So um, we've gotten ambulances from Tennessee, as you mentioned, Ohio, North Dakota, um, Minnesota, um, Illinois. Um, I'm talking to people in, in other parts of the country, in Virginia, um, uh, California, um, Texas. So, you know, the potential there is for for these ambulances to come from all over. And as you pointed out, you know, I'm if someone has an ambulance, um, I appreciate you did the pitch for me. We'll take them um, as long as they're running. Um, we we will take them. And and I got to tell you, I've been to Ukraine now twice since we loaded up the first one. I went in April, and I just got back in July. And um, the Ukrainians love the American ambulances. The good thing about them is they're a little bit bigger than what they're used to. So they can put basically two prone or critically injured people laying flat. They can carry a couple walking wounded in the jump seats. And they still have room for a medic to be working in the back in case they need to, to tend to or as they're tending to the people. So um, our ambulances, even though we might be sending used ambulances over, um, they're much better than what um, they've they've had traditionally, and um, the need. I mean, when I was there in July, they said, you know, really, if you can get us fifty, that would be great. Now I don't, I don't know if we'll get fifty, but it just goes to point out that I could send another twenty or thirty, and they'll still they'll still need them because they're losing about seven a day. Mm-hmm. And you know, I won't go into details, but I will tell you one of the people that um, we're sending one ambulance to a particular area, and one of the commanding officers said requested an ambulance and sent me a letter and said, hey, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you could help us out. Unfortunately, he was killed this past weekend in combat. Mm. So these ambulances are going to the areas that are in conflict right now um, as either the Ukrainians are trying to push the Russians out of areas that have been taken over or as the Russians continue to try and assault certain parts of Ukraine. So, um, you know, this isn't theoretical. This isn't they're going to just go there and be in some back part of the country. These ambulances will be transporting wounded, injured um, individuals that have been uh, hurt in combat. We're going to continue our conversation with Chris Manson. 
He's the Vice President of Government Relations for OSF Healthcare in Peoria, Illinois. We're talking about uh, the effort to send ambulances to Ukraine. More in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. All right, if you're listening right now and you don't know, you don't know if your town, your community, your hospital, your um, hospital network has some decommissioned ambulances sitting around. Yeah, maybe you don't know. Okay, this is your challenge today is to call and find out. And maybe you're saying, yeah, well, we don't have any, but I'd be willing to help go get one. I just uh, I just looked online and, you know, pretty much for 20, 25 grand, you can buy one, right? Now, maybe you know somebody at Cummins Diesel. Maybe you know uh, somebody at Ford. Maybe you know somebody at Duramax. I don't know, like, right? You're listening right now. Maybe you know somebody at International. Maybe you know, uh, you know, so just be thinking about this, right? Maybe you know somebody who builds ambulances or refits them or, you know, I don't know, has one stashed away somewhere. We want it mobilized. Do not have that like grain in a barn waiting for a rainy day. It is a rainy day in Ukraine and they need ambulances. And so why wouldn't we help? Chris Manson um, is the person whom, you know, God inspired to do this and is now coming alongside, bringing the resources together. You know, God, God's got this. And so God's got Chris working on the front lines of this. And we want to come alongside and help as well. So let's get those resources mobilized in our communities across the country um, and get in touch with Chris Manson. He is the vice president of government relations at OSF Healthcare in Peoria, Illinois. But this is like a side gig now, sending ambulances to Ukraine full of um, full of goods. And maybe you're saying to yourself, I I can't do the ambulance, but I could do the IV pumps. I, you know, I know how to get cardiac monitors. I know where to get um, some of that clotting agent he's talking about. We want um, we want to mobilize resources toward this effort. You've been watching the news just like I have. And you've been wondering, wondering to yourself, what can I do? What can I do? You can sponsor a family to come to the United States through uh, the U.S. program related to that. That would be a great thing for your church to do. Uh, or maybe this is your calling to help get some ambulances to the front lines. So, Chris, talk with us about your experiences in Ukraine. Um, and I'd love to know a little bit about whether or not maybe your daughter thinks, you know, you have a superhero cape, superhero cape now, you know, packed away somewhere. Well, I, well, I think my my daughter's been pretty happy. The, the The good thing is she got to help pack the first ambulance. When we got the first ambulance, we brought it to the house the first night, and I had a garage full of supplies, so it was really cool. She got to help put the uh, supplies in the ambulance. And again, we're Catholic, so we've, we've had some religious medals that we um, put in a few different little locations to protect the the crews and the uh, future patients. So she got to pick the locations of those 
um, those medals and where we placed them and everything. So that was a really great connection for her. So um, she loved that. Um, and, and, you know, I just want to say, you know, you're asking, you know, what about my experiences and everything? And as I hear you ask your listeners to, to help out and uh, to get involved, I just got to tell you, it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And every single person that I talk to, when they help or just to try to help, they come away with a smile on their face. And I think they do come away closer to God. I mean, I, I got to tell you, um, ProMedica out of Ohio sent an ambulance and, um, we, they basically, we were talking about, well, okay, do we have to take, um, you know, when they, when an ambulance is out, it has what's called a wrap around it, which has the company's logo on it and stuff like that. And like, do we have to take that off? I'm like, no, you can keep it on. And I said, in fact, if you want with a pen, you can write messages, you know, of hope or goodwill to the people of Ukraine so that, you know, you can kind of, it's almost like a, uh, an ambulance. that's a, a kind of a Hallmark card kind of thing you can write on it and we can send that over. Well, ProMedica took that to like three or four of their hospitals and had their employees write all over this ambulance. I got to I got to drive that ambulance in. Literally, we drove it from um, from Poland into Kiev. And every time we would stop, people would look. And if they were Ukrainian, you know, they're Ukrainian. If they if they spoke English, you see them start to smile or clap or cheer. And then they if they translated to the to some of the messages to the people that didn't speak English, and then they would smile and laugh and cheer. And when we finally stopped and we delivered it, I had men, women, adults in this, you know, in Ukraine that have been, in, you know, basically in a war for the past several months, reading these messages on this ambulance, touching it with their fingers, you know, touching the messages like they were touching the people in the United States that wrote them. And it brought tears to your eyes. And it was just a very moving experience. And I was able to share some of that stuff with the people in, um, in ProMedica, or I was able to share other images with other people that had donated. And, you know, it, it's just this feeling that you get knowing that, yeah, I mean, it's a very small, you know, one ambulance, 20 ambulances in a, in a war between Russia and Ukraine is a small thing. But it's, it's that connection, that, that humanity between, you know, people uh, you know, across the world that, you know, one part suffering and you're doing something to help. It's just incredibly moving. And, and I got to tell you, um, I was very hesitant when I started with this whole, hey, I have a very crazy idea. But, you know, I, I, after doing this for the past few months, um, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Um, we run into a roadblock. I ask for something, pray for something before dinner. You know, we just kind of add it into the, to the mix when we're, you know, saying the blessing before dinner. And I'll be darned if I don't get a call in 15 minutes or an email and the next day. Um, I mean, I work for a Francis. I work for a Franciscan Health System. My, the sisters are Franciscan Order. We were looking for ventilators. Those are the, the the pieces of equipment to help people breathe when they're incredibly critically injured and they can't breathe on their own. Was looking for them. Put a call out in general um, across the country. I need ventilators. Out of the blue, a few days before I'm getting ready to go to Ukraine, I get a message from another Franciscan Health System in Louisiana saying, "Hey, we have ventilators. Do you need any?" And so, you know, now we've got, you know, um, I've got eight ventilators out there breathing for people in Ukraine that otherwise wouldn't have had um, machines to breathe for them to get them from critical to hopefully stable and then hopefully better. Chris, you are, um, I understand, a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve. So thank you for your service. Um, Tell us uh, what you did with your body armor and your helmet before you came home. 
Oh well, so when I left the the first trip, I, I the first trip I went, I brought a helmet and body armor and a first aid, you know, kind of a tactical first aid kit with me in because I didn't know what was gonna, you know, what I'd be experiencing. And as I left, obviously, I thankfully I didn't need, didn't need it for anything. But as I left, I left it with um, um, someone in uh, Rivna, um, it was, and this older gentleman came to me. and goes, "Hey, I'm here for the body armor um, and the helmet." And this guy was had to be in his sixties, and I'm like is it for you? And he's like, well, no, I'm the president of the local university here, but my son is on the front line. So as soon as you, as soon as I leave here, I'm going to take this helmet, this uh, bulletproof vest and this first aid kit up to my son who's on the front line. And and it, that's what it's like all the time. I mean, anything we bring, it goes to the front. Well, that's like the woman that you met. I, I feel like you met her on an airplane. She's like 18 years old and she was, <laughs> she was traveling to do something similar. Well, yeah. In fact, the Ukrainian people are great. They're God-fearing. Um, uh, you know, first of all, you, you go anywhere in Ukraine, and like I met with the firefighters, and they're like, "Hey, let us show you your, our chapel." I went into their to, to their to their um, kitchen, and there and over their table is a picture of the Last Supper. Um, so they're they're very they're very much a family-oriented and very much, like I said, a God-fearing um, country. And when they knew I was going over, the Ukrainians kind of took me under their wing and said, okay, it's your first trip. We'll take care of you. We'll make sure everything's taken care of. And when I was talking to some people, um, someone said, hey, would you mind, though, kind of escorting my 18-year-old daughter who's who's going over to Ukraine for the second time? I'm like, yeah, sure. No no problem. What's going on? And what they were doing is her brother um, was on the front lines in some part of Ukraine fighting, didn't have a helmet, didn't have a bulletproof rest. So the family and others in, in, in Chicago and the, um, uh, the United States bought a bunch of helmets and, and Kevlar vests. And this 18-year-old girl was bringing several duffel bags or sea bags full of helmets, first aid kits, and Kevlar vests by herself. And then she was going to meet up with, an, with a grandfather who would pick her up in Poland. And her and her grandfather were going to take a bus into Ukraine. And then at some point, she was going to move on to the front by herself and deliver the helmet and the flak jacket to her brother. So I kind of helped, or I, I went with, I kind of went with them through the, you know, from the United States into Poland and helped get through stuff through uh, customs and everything. And then, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's the kind of, those are the kind of people that we're working with. It's I mean, it's, they're just amazing. Chris, what's the best way for people to, um, to get in touch with you? You know, I think um, they can go ahead and get, uh, in touch with me at the, that Twitter uh, handle you you used, Perfect. or they could actually even just send me an email. Um, I am at Christopher dot M as in Michael dot Manson M A N S O N at osfhealthcare.org. All right, um, I will put that in my socials for you, or you can text me. You guys know that drill. If you want to get directly in touch with Chris Manson, um, Chris, thank you so much. We're praying for you. We're with you, um, and we look forward to uh, you know hearing an update in the future. Well, thank you so much. I can't tell you how uh, happy I am to be able to share it with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. On Twitter at ambulances plural, and the letter U ambulances U. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.